0: What started off as being really restrictive, the more I healed my relationship with my body and with myself, and the more these things kind of started to fall into place, the less I wanted those other things. Sugar had been my companion and my co-regulating partner my whole life. And suddenly I didn't want sugar. It wasn't, oh, I shouldn't because Crohn's or I shouldn't because insulin resistance and I'm predisposed to diabetes. It wasn't any of that. It was simply, I don't want it. And I don't want it. Hello and welcome to the Year Great podcast with your host, Uni Cannon. I created the Year Great podcast because I wanted to create a place for those on their healing journey to listen to inspirational stories of people healing bare chronic gut issues, hormone imbalances, autoimmune disorders with a food forward approach. When I was healing my autoimmune disorder 10 years ago, there was not a lot I could find as far as these stories went. And I felt like I was doing the impossible. And as far as my healthcare providers, doctors were concerned, it wasn't even possible. And that diet didn't matter. So I really felt alone in the dark and scared, scared that I was really messing myself up. So this is a passion project for me. I am passionate about supporting you in your best health. In the five years that I've been in practice, I've worked with thousands of people all over the world, and I know that a one size never fits all. But what I will say is that food is a powerful lever in your healing journey. Do not discount it. When they tell you food doesn't matter, you can eat whatever you want and take a pill. Please don't believe them. It is not true. Today is a solo podcast. Yep, it's just me and my funky Cole Medina. And I am celebrating this February 2023, 10 years on the bean protocol. That's right. You heard me right. I have been eating beans consistently three times a day for 10 years. I know, right? Kind of crazy. A lot of people ask me if I feel restricted. And in the beginning when I was healing, I felt incredibly restricted. You are talking to a girl who was diagnosed with Crohn's when she was 34. And I was sick starting as early as 29 with transient gut issues. And major hormone imbalances. I was diagnosed with endometriosis in my 20s. And the wisdom at the time was have kids. It should make it go away if you catch it soon enough. So I did. I had my daughters at 23 and 26. And guess what? As soon as my period came back after my second daughter, so did my horrible debilitating periods. My debilitating periods would start right at ovulation. So I just got hammered for two weeks. And along with that, came mood swings. I felt like I couldn't control myself. I felt like I was really sensitive. I took everything personal. And I was just kind of had a grudge and looking for a fight kind of attitude, which really affected my personal relationships. But also ultimately, when I had young children, it affected my ability to respond. I was just reactive. And I look back at that time with so much empathy for myself, for being taken for a ride by my hormones, But at the time, I didn't know how to stop it and birth control pills were not an option. My body rejected it, which now upon what I know now, I'm really happy about that because the fine print that none of us read when our doctors are trying to put us on birth control pill is worth reading, by the way, that fine print. Yeah, there's a lot of downstream effects from taking birth control, but that's another story, which I can touch on if you want. And since you're not here to say yes or no, am I So... You know, and my hormone imbalance started when I was 12 years old when I got my period. I had horrible, painful periods then, and back then it just felt like a punishment. I didn't really care about being fertile, and it was interfering with my active life to have a period, so I just kind of hated it a lot. On top of being diagnosed with Crohn's later on, which, by the way, started off as, oh, you probably have IBS, and for my acid reflux, take a proton pump inhibitor. Right? What? Wait, I'm too young to have all these symptoms. What is happening here? Why did I suddenly have an expiration date? Celebrating 10 years on the bean protocol is really emotional for me because in the last 10 years, my entire life has changed. I have changed my relationship to food. It served as a vehicle to soothe and regulate and reward my nervous system and my body and my emotions. And now I use food to nourish myself. Whoa, what? Food is nourishment? You know, I used food, old me, used food for everything but nourishment. It was comfort. It was, I had a bad day, I'm going to eat sugar. I had a good day, I'm going to eat sugar. I'm so insecure and so full of anxiety, but I'm going to drink alcohol to make that go away so I can be social. And then I'm going to go to the coffee shop in the morning and I'm going to jack myself up. And I was just caught in this loop of working hard, being a young mom, and without really understanding what I was doing to myself, I sacrificed my health for all of these band-aids that I was propping myself up on. And celebrating 10 years on the Bean Protocol is so profound for me because I've never been faithful to a diet in my life. I would, oh, I want to lose five pounds. I'm going to restrict. I want to, you know, and then I would lose that five pounds and then I would take that vacation and wear that bikini and then I would go back to my eating habits. And what's interesting to me is on the outside, I seem to really healthy. I was young. It's easy to look healthy when we're young. And it's only later do our acts against ourselves show up and we can start aging rapidly much later. But in our youth, it's much harder on the outside for our poor choices to be showing. It was kind of interesting because people would be like, oh, you're the healthiest person I know and you eat so healthy. And really, my internal world was self-loathing and punishment with food and cravings and then regret from the cravings. And it was just a mess yes, within me was also this kind, loving person who was just trying to work on herself and become a better person and allowed what the outside looked like to align with what was inside or vice versa, to also just become a person that I could love. I spent a lot of time internally tearing myself down and using coping mechanisms to hold myself up and to prop myself up. And I don't want to make myself sound tragic, but on the inside, I kind of felt that way. But to talk really good about my younger self, I was a survivor, you know, I lived a life that scared the shit out of me and I never let my fear get in the way of moving forward. And I never allowed not knowing something to stand in my way. I would just ask the questions and learn. I had an uphill battle in life from where I came from, and I was never afraid to say, I don't know, tell me more or pick up a book and learn or just work really hard to get to where I wanted to go. So I had a lot going for me in other areas. Also, I didn't know how to make small talk. I was one of those people who was like, tell me about your soul. I wanted to know the deep, deep, deep stuff. I wanted to bypass the what's your favorite color conversation or look at the moon. I I wanted to know what made them happy and, and what made them sad and why. And I wanted to know things that made a difference to how I saw them. I didn't want to meet their ambassador. I wanted to meet them as a human being. And so trying to be social and not knowing how to be light was really hard for me. So it's kind of funny. Anyway, I digress. Let me, let me pull myself back here, but I'm building this picture because this was part of leading to my disease story. I was socially acceptably medicating myself. And I was burning both ends of the candle to move forward in life. I was working my ass off and wanting to make a life for myself. I divorced very young uh, with two young children at 27 and on my own and fending for my family, for my, my kids, and just nose to the grindstone. And it worked for me because I I have a strong work ethic and I'm a a person who's going to find a way. I'm going to learn. I'm going to push forward in my life. And all of that pushing forward was great. It worked out for me, but it also kind of was at the deficit to my body. And I meet a lot of women these days who have a similar story where they're the last person that gets care. And I had that too. I didn't realize that I needed care. I didn't realize that by caring for myself, I was ultimately caring for them better because I would have a bigger well to pull from to help my kids. So 10 years on a protocol from being somewhat erratic and an undedicated person in self-care is amazing and emotional to me because of all the demons I had to face down to get to this point. The demons of binging, the demons of co-regulating with food to heal, to calm, and to reward myself. That was my self-care, which was also my self-loathing, because I would feel horrible after and be like, that's gross, I feel gross, and I feel gross about myself. It's interesting because the other day, I was saying that I work out every morning, I watch the sunrise, and before I even start my day, I feel accomplished. I feel in my body. I feel present and available and ready for my day. And it's such an amazing feeling to feel that way before the day even begins. So wow, 10 years on the protocol. It just keeps hitting me in so many different ways because in the beginning, I was so sick and yet I found this protocol or this protocol found me after nothing else working. And I tried the GAPS diet. I tried paleo, versions of the paleo. I tried the carb-specific diet. And things kind of helped, but not really. I was just a mess. And by the time the, the protocol found me, Karen's book found me, I was 90 pounds and just ready to go on biologics for my Crohn's disease. And ready for whatever came next because I had really exhausted every other option. And reading this book and and how beans work and and most of the people following this podcast know, but if you are just coming to the podcast, A, welcome. And B, beans are incredible. They are one of the only foods on planet Earth with the highest amount of soluble fiber. Higher than oatmeal, higher than anything. Everything else has a minuscule amount. So why does fiber why does soluble fiber matter? First of all, fiber matters. Fiber matters if you want a healthy heart. Fiber matters if you want healthy bowels. Fiber matters if you don't want colon cancer. Fiber matters if you want to feel satiated on a deeper level. Weight, it helps with weight because anything that allows you to feel more satiated also allows you to not eat as much if you're looking to lose weight. So there's just so many incredible parts of eating fiber. And yes, I work with the Beam Protocol, which is a Whole foods diet with a focus on fiber. And I am proud to work with this crazy outlier protocol because it is amazing. And the healing I've seen it do over the last 10 years for myself and then for my clients is absolutely phenomenal and beautiful and amazing and humbling to realize how much power we have on our plate. Soluble fiber is A powerhouse because it is one of the very few elements that is strong enough to hold bile. Bile is very caustic and can be very toxic depending on the life that you've lived or that I lived. And so having soluble fiber bind up some of this bile and pull it out can be the difference between having a gallbladder. It can be the difference between losing a gallbladder. It can be the difference between balancing your hormones. Like it's just, it's kind of the wonder food, in my opinion. So the fact that there's this rhetoric in some of the were parts of the health, the social health, I call it, because it's like a free-for-all where you can say anything and if you have enough followers, everybody believes you. But so it, it, it's a natural way to support liver and gallbladder. Like, hello, yes, please, give me more of that. When I read the book and it was like, beans, I had the same reaction that most people have, which is, oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. I'm literally pooping my pants with Crohn's disease and the thing that the doctors told me was do not eat fiber. And here I was embarking on a protocol that would be having me eat fiber anytime I was awake. And if you followed me for a long time, you know, for the three years from 34 to 37 when I found the protocol, I was awake for 22 hours a day, which makes you a different kind of insane, by the way, because I was just in so much pain. And I did try painkillers originally. I was on Percocet which I would cut into four pieces and take only after my kids went to bed to try to take the edge off of my pain. And then later on, my functional medicine doctor would prescribe me weed, which at the time you needed a prescription for. Depending on where you are in the world, I'm in Los Angeles, where I can mosey anywhere and get weed if I want today, but I don't smoke weed anymore. I remember not wanting to fill the prescription because I had young daughters at home and I was like, I don't want to bring drugs into the house, you know, even though, right, if it was like a medication, like said, I had no problem. Like, what is that? But I was like, I don't want to bring weed into the house. And and I finally did. I finally filled the prescription. And I remember walking into the pharmacy and, and saying, I have Crohn's disease and I need help. The guy behind the counter goes, "Oh man, we have so many people with Crohns. Here's the ones that they like and that help them. It tended to be harlequin, if I'm remembering correctly, which had more c b d in it, and I just said, Weed gives me horrible panic attacks. What do you have that's you know not and he I walked out with like hundreds of dollars worth of pot, and I rolled myself the biggest fattest joint, and the thing I should mention is I had nausea twenty four seven I was nauseous and I couldn't eat. I was at the point where I literally was starving to death because the nausea was so bad. So I went out into the backyard and lit up this fatty and I took a few pictures of myself because I was like, this is hilarious and and crazy. And I have those photos, by the way, the nausea went away. And I was like, whoa, that really works. Holy shit, that really works. I started smoking weed and eating. And so when I started working with Karen and I got the protocol, I was like, so Karen, how do you feel about weed? And she's like, no, you have to discontinue it. It's a toxin and you don't want to be putting that in your body. And I was just like, I cannot live in with nausea all the time. And so I ended up continuing to smoke weed because I wouldn't have been able to eat all those beans Because the directive was, if you're awake, eat beans. And since I was awake 22 hours a day, I was eating beans 22 hours a day. Yes, you heard that right, 22 hours a day. But I was also taking a hit of weed every time it wore off because the nausea would just well up in me like a wave that was crippling. So... I smoked a lot of weed. I was such a pothead for like three years. I was a pothead for two years before I met Karen. And then a year into the protocol, six months, like I was dropping it down further and further and further because I never loved smoking weed. The occasional social hit off a joint wasn't something I was ever against. But Smoking it like that, I just was anxious all the time. I was trading in one uncomfortable feeling for another. And sometimes in life, that's the best we can do is is trade one uncomfortable feeling for another. And and that was part of my healing process. All this to say that here I was on a protocol, finally, that was helping me heal. And all I could be obsessed with was how I couldn't eat sugar and I couldn't drink alcohol and I couldn't drink caffeine. I was obsessed with all the wrong things. And that was just where I was obsessed with all the wrong things. I wasn't obsessed with how do I get myself into remission and never have to be a Crohn's patient again. I was obsessed with how do I eat my daughter's birthday cake and how do I go out for a drink? Even though all of them made me feel shitty, it just, you know, I was so not embodied. I wasn't in my body. And I do, I meet a lot of clients who are not in their body. So when I say eat until you're satiated they're like huh i'm like ah yeah i remember that place where i wasn't in my body and it was all about what i wanted versus what i needed so in the process of healing my body i talk about this and make it sound so easy like oh in the process of healing my body i healed my relationship with my body and what that actually means is i healed my relationship with my emotional body and what that actually means is I had no idea how much I was eating things emotionally to regulate myself because I was frozen. I was frozen from feeling like a horrible person, like an unworthy person. I was frozen insecure and self-loathing. And all of these things are not things that I had felt comfortable talking about it. And I'm so comfortable talking about it now because I have so much compassion for myself. And so much kindness and i've done so much healing to be here now where i am in my body and i have presence process and i have a meditation practice and i move my body in a way that i love and i am fully in it for the first time in my life over the last five years i am in this body and in loving kindness with this body and in reverence of nourishing this body before my body was just a garbage can for my mouth's desires i was like oh i want this or oh i'm sad or oh i'm mad and my body was just like taking all of this garbage in and all of that garbage had downstream effects and and i'm sure the emotional stuff was some of the greatest downstream effects that i didn't i didn't understand i didn't understand feeling in fight or flight all the time was damaging to my whole system my whole endocrine system because we're not meant as humans to be stuck in fight or flight, pumping that kind of adrenaline all the time. And I I just was, I was just pumping it. And then I was fueling it. I was fueling it with caffeine. And then later I was drinking alcohol to chill myself out. And when you look at that cycle, and a lot of people are stuck in the cycle, it's just damaging. Not everybody will end up with Crohn's. But I see a lot of autoimmune and where does this all come from? It comes from, I believe, yes, you can have toxic exposures beyond your control, but I believe it comes from this disconnection with how we treat our bodies and how we nourish our bodies. And for the longest time for me, I was hungry, so I ate to fill that hunger versus I'm hungry, so I'm going to nourish my body, which is a very different intention to have Started with feeling this protocol was incredibly restrictive and fighting against it tooth and nail. Despite that, I stayed on it and I went into remission. And then as soon as I went into remission, I couldn't eat raw foods for a long time because my gut was just too, it just, just I just couldn't break it down. It would still come out, you know, even when the pain was gone and the blood and the diarrhea, I just couldn't really digest raw foods for a long time. It probably took another year to be able to digest raw foods and I remember slowly adding in a little bit of cucumber and a little bit of this and testing it out and really going slow and then once I got raw foods in and then it was like what's next oh a little fruit a little caffeine a little alcohol and I began to expand out slowly and test the limits and also really create what I thought should be a better balance in my life and not so restrictive what was interesting is that What started off as being really restrictive, the more I healed my relationship with my body, and the more I healed my relationship with myself, and the more these things kind of started to fall into place, the less I wanted those other things. And sugar had been my companion my whole life, and my co-regulating partner my whole life, and suddenly I didn't want sugar. It wasn't, oh, I shouldn't because Crohn's, or I shouldn't because you know, insulin resistance and I have diabetes in my family and I'm predisposed to diabetes. It wasn't any of that. It was simply, I don't want it. I don't want it. So it's a really interesting thing to suddenly not a food that had had so much power in my life has none at all. And I talked to my clients about this a lot of shifting the power structure from I can't help myself and I crave it to I can choose in and out of it if I want. I believe that in the end, there are no bad foods. What makes them bad is loading up on them, is throwing the balance of our body out. That's what makes them bad. And I had made them bad for myself because I had handed over all of my power to them and was powerless to them. And now I don't think about them. I don't care about them. I used to like run to the dessert menu in a restaurant. Now I could care less. I really could. Alcohol? No, no thanks. I have a sip here and there sometimes, a couple times a year now. My relationship before was I can only feel relaxed if I have alcohol. So you can see that at this 10-year mark, I didn't just heal my body. I've healed... All of these different aspects of my life and my body and my relationship. And I couldn't work out for years because of how sick and frail I was. And I think that it's such an important thing to remember that you're not lazy when you're sick. You are healing. And I felt lazy because my self-worth was so attached to achieving that when I was too sick to work out, I felt horrible. And I felt like Gollum. And all I could obsess about was when I should be doing something. I should be working out I remember Karen saying, your only job is to rest and get better. And I'm like, yeah, but working out is so important. It's important for my self-esteem. It's important for my muscles and my this. And, And it was like, yes, but it is inflammatory. And when your body is so full of inflammation, that inflammation just piles on. So to realize that my rest was part of healing was a huge shift for me. And it took... It changed the way I worked out. I used to be a crazy squirrel. Soul cycle and orange theory and, you know, just kind of like balls to the wall, challenging myself, type A every step of the way. I mean, now it's like, how can I move in a way that I love? How can I move my body with reverence versus punishment? How can I feed myself with reverence, nourish myself with reverence? How can I take care of myself, my mind, my body, my spirit? How can I have this incredible spiritual experience of having a human body? And that is where I am now. It has been an incredible arc, a shedding of many habits and creating new habits. And it really takes that. I used to have a lot of excuses why I couldn't take care of myself. I was a busy young mother with a full-time job and... All of my excuses landed me in a really poor place. So now, whenever I have an excuse, I sit with it and I go, what do you need the most? Do you need to change this habit? Do you need to rest? What do you need? What do you really need? And what is this excuse hiding? Is this excuse hiding an unwillingness to move forward in some area of my life that I'm uncomfortable or too comfortable and I've gotten good at sitting with uncomfortable feelings and I've gotten really good at checking in with myself. I no longer just do things mindlessly, which is something that I was, I always thought it was being spontaneous, but really it was just mindlessly not connecting to myself. 10 years on the protocol for me means that for the last 10 years, I have prioritized the healing of my incredible body and the maintenance of my incredible body. And I bring up maintenance because A lot of my clients will get clear skin or their painful periods will go away or their gut will heal and then slowly start reverting back to whatever their normal was before and then come back to me unwell and out of balance again. Not as bad as before, but, you know, back to that same place. And and there's so much wisdom in realizing that you can heal something, but you can also break it. And our health needs maintenance. It needs us to keep showing up and providing the core nourishment that our body needs the food that you eat three times a day is your foundation and three times a day you have this incredible opportunity to nourish your cellular body and anchor your body in calm versus stimulate it into an adrenalized state i choose to eat for calm three times a day and i snack when i'm hungry And I'll talk about that presence process as well, because as a person who used to be an avid binger on palatable foods, I had to put into place a presence process. And that presence process is, am I hungry or am I thirsty? And if I'm thirsty, I drink water. And if I'm still wanting to snack, then my next question to myself is, am I hungry or am I bored? And if I'm bored, then I go sit outside or go for a walk. Am I hungry or am I emotional? Okay, I'm going to sit with that uncomfortable feeling and figure out what I'm emotional about. Am I hungry or am I tired? Am I hungry or am I stressed? And this presence process allows me to connect with my body. It allows me to ask and check in with my body and to become embodied if I am not. And if the outcome is still, I am hungry then I have a nourishing snack. But by doing that check-in, it's allowed me to connect in a different way. So if you are struggling with sugar, this is a great process for you. A lot of times changing the action helps so much. So if your normal action is just to start standing there eating with your eyes glazed over, stuffing yourself like I used to do, then this presence process actually, oh, before I eat, I actually have to get present with myself and, and check in with myself. Also, I make sure to have a big breakfast. So now I'm going to start talking about what I do today. I've taken you through the journey of uh, self-sabotage, unique, self-loathing into healed, unique. What do I do today? Well, I wake up and I watch the sunrise. And, and, and if it's, if I'm feeling it, I go for a walk or I work out. Sometimes I do weights. Sometimes I'll do a little hit circuit, body weight circuit. Sometimes I'll simply walk and sometimes I will do yoga. And that is just dependent on what I'm feeling and what I'm up for, or if I just need to rest and sit outside with a hot cup of water and just be. I like to meditate. I do a TM meditation, which is 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the afternoon. And that is starting my day with myself and ending the day with myself. And I love it. And I wake up and have husk every day. I've been doing that for 10 years, more like nine years. It actually took me a little while to integrate husk into my diet. So I'd probably say about nine years I've been doing that. And I love it. And then soon after that, I'll have a two egg omelet or scrambled eggs with my breakfast greens or grains of some sort. Sometimes I steam broccoli. Sometimes I'll do asparagus or green beans or a frittata with a bunch of vegetables in it and beans. If I decide I don't want beans because I've had my husk, then I'll do a bunch of avocado and olive oil and kraut and stuff like that. And then if I'm hungry between breakfast and lunch, then I'll have a presence process with myself. Am I hungry? Am I bored? Or am I thirsty? Sometimes I forget to drink water, so thirsty a lot between that hour if I and and breakfast is big by the way I make it a big old breakfast and then if I'm hungry I'll have some nuts or nut butter maybe some carrots whatever I'm up for I am eating berries these days and sometimes I have green apple depending on if it's in season and I feel good like I don't feel the same insulin rush that I used to But I always make sure to eat it with a fat or a protein to kind of maintain a healthy blood sugar because I definitely tend to be dysregulated by sugar very quickly, even natural sugar. Then I have a big lunch. I'll have a bunch of chicken or salmon and vegetables. And at that point, I will definitely have legumes if I didn't in the morning. Healthy fats again. Avocado, I mix my beans and fats quite often. I don't really have a reason these days to do any separating. And then in the afternoon, again, if I'm hungry between meals, I'll sit with that presence process again. And if I am indeed hungry, then I'll again have probably some nut butter. Sometimes I'll have avocado with olive oil, handful of carrots for dinner, bunch of protein, bunch of vegetables, sometimes a massive salad and I'll throw a chickpeas in that or a big soup or whatever else. So that tends to be a pretty common day for me. I'm pretty lock and load with my self-care routine these days. I definitely always check in with myself before I do anything physical in the morning to see how my body's feeling and if that's a good day to push it or hang back and chill. And then I go to bed pretty early. I wake up early, I go to bed early, and I love it. I love it. And I drink water all day long, warm, purified water. If you're, if you're drinking from a tap, please get a purifier. What we put in our body via food and water does matter. And you want to take all the chlorine out and whatever else might be in your water. Even if they say your water is drinkable, like my clients in New York, please don't drink the tap water and do filter it with a Brita or a life straw or Aqua whatever you can financially afford, please filter your water. Clean water matters. And I continue to not take any supplements. I just did blood work again. I continue to just eat for health and my blood work has been incredibly healthy every single time I've checked it. So I haven't felt any need to supplement. So if anybody tells you that you can't get enough nutrients from food, I would check your blood work to make sure that's true. And then. I would look at where you can increase nutrients to see if you don't need a supplement. Because honestly, I think our body does really well with nourishment over supplementing everything. Not to say that supplements don't have a place. I do use a protein powder and it is whey protein. So that is a supplement that I'd use when I'm working out. I am building muscle as a 47-year-old woman who is in perimenopause. I am putting a focus on strength training. And and I love it as I see more muscles develop on my body. I'm incredibly excited by that. So I am using a whey protein. I use a wonderful one that I've used for years now because honestly, I can't eat a three egg omelet. I just cannot take that down. It is way too much for me. So I'll oftentimes will supplement with a little protein powder in water and shake that up and just drink it so I can get that extra protein in. I'm currently trying to get about 110 grams of protein a day from various sources, mostly animal and lagoons and the whey protein. I may push that protein up a little bit. I feel really great with it. My energy is fantastic. I wake up wagging my tail and I go to sleep tired and ready for bed. I'm constantly keeping an eye on my nutrition and constantly looking for ways to get more veggies. And if you're not starting your day with veggies, then I would consider it. So what am I doing for help my skin? I am getting an lace laser once to twice a year, and I've really loved that. I had PRP, not sure how I felt about that. I have been using Augustina's Better, the Rich Cream, It's expensive, but I've really enjoyed the hydration that it's been giving me. I've been using Skin Food on my lips from Lolita, and I love that. I scrub my face twice a week with a wonderful scrub that I've been using from MD called the Dr. Scrub Advanced. I can really get into a good scrub. My skin tolerates it incredibly well, so it... Literally feels like you're scrubbing your face with sand and it just feels amazing. So I've been using that. I've been using serums. It's a company that uses plant extracts from Poland and I'll link them in the bio. I love their products and I use Josh Rosebrook Seabright Complex on my face. And recently I discovered a retinol that I can actually use and I'm excited about it because when I saw my Dermatologist, she was like, "You're at the age where you could really use a retinol," and I'm just like, "I can't tolerate it. I'm too sensitive." But I recently found Marie Veronique, Marie Veronic I'm I'm sure I'm not saying that right. Multi Retinol Night Emulsion, and I love that. So I've been using that on my skin, and I can really see a difference in my fine lines. So I'm all about that. I also use a jojoba oil on my face at night. I kind of layer layer it up. I use the retinol right now once to twice a week. And like I said, I really notice a difference there. On my body, I use jojoba. I like Humble for a deodorant, has no smell. So that is my current beauty routine. I get asked this a lot. But honestly, I think the greatest beauty routine is eating for health and wellness and getting all those healthy fats in to keep a plump supple skin because those lines happen as skin gets tight and thin so we really want to plump it up and eat for health and gut health and all of that stuff i prioritize sleep that is also part of my beauty routine to get into bed get off screens an hour before bed get evening light in my eyes and have a gratitude practice. I mean, I would say that my sunrise connection is my gratitude practice. It's the way I begin my day, being thankful for this incredible life. And I'm not just talking about feeling well and being thankful for that. I am incredibly thankful for my illness. I'm incredibly thankful for all the hardship that I've experienced in my life and for everything. It is absolutely Amazing. This human life is absolutely amazing. I am so thankful for each and every one of you who is brave enough to nourish yourself and take care of yourself and show up for yourself and prioritize your well-being because you are magnificent and you are capable of amazing things. If you find your excuses getting in the way of you achieving what you want most, just visualize those excuses as blocking your path to the most important thing you could ever do. You are more powerful than bad habits. You are immeasurably powerful. And I know that you can achieve whatever it is that you set out to achieve. Don't give up and keep on keeping on. And thank you for joining me today on my stream of consciousness podcast. I came on simply to celebrate 10 years, to show you where I've been, so you can see where I am now and know that it is possible for anyone. I am nobody. I don't say that with any sense of I'm not worthy. I'm worthy of everything that I've created in my life. But what I mean by I am nobody is that I had no self-control. I had no sense of direction. All I had was a good work ethic. That's that's a lot, right? I had the desire to change even if i didn't always know how to i wanted to i wanted and to this day and for the rest of my days i seek to be my best self and i will always challenge myself to be honest with myself when i catch myself up to things that are not positives and learn and grow from them and hold myself accountable to do that so I am nobody in the sense that I am everybody. I am anybody who's ever struggled with an eating disorder. I am anybody who's ever struggled with self confidence. I am anybody who has had self loathing and hated their body and, and thought they were dumb and, you know, had a critic inside that was debilitating. I am anybody who has anxiety or an illness. Anybody can do it. So can you. Thank you so much for joining me today and celebrating my 10 years on The Bean Protocol. I am running a 12-week group program for women to help reset, educate, and heal gut imbalances. This will be a 12-week container, three months together, one endocrine cycle, so that you can really seep yourself in the healing process, how to care for your body, learn tools to really support your health today, tomorrow, and always. You can sign up for my newsletter and get on the wait list. I hope to see you in the course. Have a wonderful day, night, wherever you are in this beautiful world.